0: listening to the Australian Army Training and Doctrine podcast.
1: Welcome to our short series of podcasts on the Cove, featuring 7th Battalion, the Royal Australian Regiment, and the lessons learned during the battalion's ready year deployed in the Middle East region. With me is Warrant Officer Class 2 Dean Close, who deployed with Task Group Taji Rotation 3 on Operation Okra from May to December 2016 in Iraq. So tell us about your role with Task Group Taji Rotation Three.
0: I was the operations warrant officer uh, for Task Group Taji uh, headquarters, which I've filled for about two and a half months. On return from Rockall, I then took over in Training Team Five and worked through the duration of the deployment as part of the training teams. We ended up maintaining that fifth training team till the end, and we started to take on uh, mobile training teams out to El and yeah, so that was where it was more heading is the mobile training teams to uh, get out and about and get to the Iraqis in the more remote localities.
1: The focus of the mission then throughout was training the Iraqi security forces.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Starting out, basically engaging with the uh, commanders, uh, finding out what they want to achieve, and then coming out with a uh, training program. And that varied from some had things that they wanted to work on specifically. Others weren't overly phased and us providing expectation management to a degree in saying that probably realistically we can't provide everything they want but shape them towards things that we could probably really help them with because there was dramatic differences in who we dealt with.
1: In terms then of your preparation to go out there and perform your role what did you do to prepare?
0: Lead up training was vital in the sense uh, it gives skills of what we would encounter out there and trying to uh, have some basic language skills so we could go out and interact to a degree and basically all found it's for preparation of your lessons, knowing what you want to achieve, playing that with the rest of the training team and then going out and being able to deliver that training.
1: Did you feel prepared then by the time you left for Iraq?
0: Uh, well and truly, uh, I suppose my role was a bit different, essentially I was more focused on the planning side in the headquarter element. The commanders, for their appreciation, identified that potentially we would have to expand the training team. So I did the uh, extended preparation course and was prepared in, in accordance with all the other training teams. So I had that capability to be able to move from operations role in the planning of training to actually go and deliver training in the training teams themselves.
1: What were the challenges once you got into country and you're actually out there doing your job and do you feel that you were prepared to meet those challenges?
0: Yeah, well and truly prepared. I believe we started off the training pretty much in January of the year. We had four and a half months of lead up training and that was adequately resourced. Um, A lot of specialists coming in delivering the training. We had A week up at Murray Bridge where everyone was able to get together, shake it in their training teams and start doing all that. So I think we're very well resourced, plenty of time to prepare. Uh, But like most things, you can't replicate exactly what you're going to go into. So I suppose one of the things I suppose we struggle with to a degree is uh, the heat management over there. So you're looking at any given day. We first arrived in late May, was probably low 40s getting into September, October, into the 50s. Probably the hardest thing was managing soldiers when we're doing two POIs, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and trying to rest your soldiers accordingly. So they're being required to operate in full PPE, in 50-degree heat, and then keeping an eye on the soldiers. So fitness and preparation was probably something we did as well as we could, but there was always that risk that had to be mitigated in-country. Knowledge-wise, I think the language preparation and all the tools we were given set the conditions for success and we uh, were able to shape and conduct training more specific once we got there, training enemy weapons, more language training. Cultural awareness was another big thing that we, we maintained. So I think overall I think we were able to set the conditions for success and then identify ways we can improve once we got into theatre. So, yeah, I think we were well prepared.
1: Given that it was an intense period of activity for the battalion in that ready year, were there any lessons learned from the experience at Tarji that were then carried forward perhaps to the subsequent deployment of troops from 7 RAR out to Afghanistan shortly afterwards?
0: Some basic lessons, but that was probably more before we started the road to war, where we sort of split into the two distinct groups. The FPE groups were operating about a month behind us, so they were pretty much going into the mission rehearsal activities as we deployed. From the headquarters side of it, we were able to see the training that was conducted and the resourcing that went with that, so they were still conducting a lot of combat shooting, shooting with pistols. That was on both sides, but for FPE 7, they were doing a lot more activities involving uh, vehicles, having to move around, counter-ambushing drills, moving vips and so to speak so did uh so segue away from each other but i think the lead up we did in 2015 where everyone was doing high-end training set the conditions again to everyone had that base skills so they were able to do the basics to a high standard and then transition into their speciality the qualifications such as uh, up armored driving things like that we had to send people away and again if we hadn't set the conditions with those basic lessons, having them away for two-week periods at a time would have probably impacted more, but I think we were able to absorb that quite well.
1: What about for soldiers in the battalion more widely? Do you think they were adequately prepared for their deployments to Taji?
0: Very well prepared. The 2015 training year, I believe, set the battalion up for a lot of success same token we had fairly high turnover of personnel in 2015 i was in csm alpha at the time and we probably integrated 60 new soldiers into the battalion alpha company alone that was probably replicated across the other companies as well probably not as high what that translated to in 2016 although a lot of those new soldiers didn't necessarily deploy on Okra. I'd say ninety to ninety five percent of those soldiers would subsequently deploy on FPEs six and seven or to rifle company Butterworth in two thousand sixteen. So there'd be having that strong training in place meant that pretty much brand new soldiers who'd been potentially in the battalion less than three months were stepping out into Afghanistan. I suppose that's again can be attributed to the basic skills that can through Singleton coming into the battalion and being able to have those basic skills to keep developing. And I think the battalion training they conducted set that up very well.
1: So given the battalion's experience in Iraq in 2016, were there any lessons learnt that have been brought back to 7 RER back here in Australia which have influenced how training is now being conducted?
0: Probably... Not so much this year, but I believe as we transition into the reading cycle, those lessons learned will come to the fore. One of the managing factors we had to mitigate this year is FPE 6, FPE 7, a rifle company, Butterworth, all still happening around us. So essentially, a battalion has not been together for over a year. And now we're into a courses period. It's the first time that the battalion is essentially all in the one area together. The Reading year will play out and we will be a lot of non-platform support requests that we'll work through. But our focus at the moment is to train up people in specialist courses to, again, set the conditions. So once we're going through the Reading cycle and we don't have the time necessary to put people on courses, that we have a little bit of redundancy built in. The real training year will probably kick off in June, July of 2018, and we'll see moving into tune company, battle group level activities, and that's where that knowledge will get drawn from. And you'll see that things like urban combat shooting vehicles, especially with us going back in a mechanised role, it's probably going to shift a little bit away from dismounted. Use of PMVs will probably be something we move away from to a degree because we just don't have those platforms, and we'll move more into the, the APCs, but we still have to tactically employ... And you always draw lessons from Iraq, Afghanistan in defeating the IED threat. I think that will always to be a consideration in whatever we do now and I think we can get around that. So I think we'll always we'll have lessons learned part of the PAR process. I think that will be valuable moving forward.
1: So in closing, given your experiences of that deployment to Iraq with Task Group TARGI 3, what are your priorities now for your own individual training?
0: Uh, I'll be moving off into uh, the training command side of things now, so uh, moving into 1K Wing. So I, I suppose I'll be able to offer lessons learned from what I've seen in Iraq, which is a senior NCOs conducting Warros courses. Definitely a chance for me to develop and learn in that environment and try to impart some level of knowledge. I'm sure that I'll get a bit of uh, critique back, which is good. But uh, so I've done the four years in the Battalion now, so, yeah, it'd be good to get out and potentially Find new challenges, but again, always have that in the background, what you've learned, and try to instil that into people in operational preparation.
1: Could you give us two or three things that you would like to pass on then as a result of your experiences on deployment in Iraq?
0: Definitely try expectation management of soldiers. Try to assess what you're going into and uh, not necessarily tell them that it's going to be something that it's not. Essentially, soldiers might find hard to cope if they are expecting high-end fighting when in fact it's just a training team. So try to prepare your soldiers as best you can for what they're going to experience. That way they won't be disappointed or go in with preconceived expectations. Fitness, even though it's not a lot of patrolling or so to speak, you're still going to be working in extreme conditions pretty much wherever we go. So... Uh, maintaining that uh, level of fitness so you can cope with the high environmental stress and always maintain your standards. The more you can maintain your standards uh, across the board, you won't have those little things. Keep occurring, caring, which take up you uh, 90% of your day trying to deal with administrative issues, which probably can be prevented. So just by doing that little bit of fault correction initially, you'll probably weed out a lot of the problems straight away.
1: Warrant Officer Class 2, Dean Close. Thank you very much indeed. To listen to more podcasts in this series featuring lessons learned from Seven RALs Ready Year, visit the Cove's website. The address is www.cove.org.au. That's www.cove.org.au. I'm Captain Sharon Maskeldare. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of
0: Australia.